Today on the Multiply Podcast, we're talking with Melissa Alfaro about balancing marriage, family, and ministry. Check it out. Everybody, welcome back or welcome to the Multiply Podcast. My name is Jared. My name is David. Man, good to be back. Yep, September, my favorite month of the year. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Really? Well, my birthday is this month, that's part of it, but also I love fall. Fall's my favorite season. Mm. Football's back. That's First true. game was last night. Terrible game. Terrible but game, back. but you know. Um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, baseball's heading towards the playoffs, and English Premier League soccer is back, and fall is. The trees are starting to get more beautiful, and, and, and then you get all the flavors of fall, pumpkin and apple and cider and spice, and you get to start wearing baggy clothes, and it's oh, normal. Yeah, we I can love. wear sweatshirts again sweatshirts, to cover ourselves cover, up. Cover ourselves up. <laughs> oh, God, is good. And I have a pumpkin spice coffee right here. Yeah. Right now, so I'm with you, man. Let's ask our. We have a we have a really special guest with us uh, on this episode. She was with us on the previous episode, and we're so pumped. Uh, maybe we can start by uh, talking a little bit about her favorite fall flavors here. Yes, I think so. Uh, we have Dr. Melissa Alfaro. If you have not listened to the first podcast that she did about uh, better. Uh, preaching tips. Yeah, this is fantastic. You got to go listen to it. Listen yeah. to it. And she also tells her kind of story and you can hear her background and all that. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, let's hear some of your, what are some of your favorite fall flavors? I mean, are you a pumpkin spice kind of girl? Are you, uh, you know, what are you into? I am. Okay. I am a pumpkin spice girl, but I also love anything with uh, like the pecan flavoring Ooh. with the sweetness. Oh, yeah. I love pecan pie. I yes. mean, we're going to have that the rest of this season. Um, and I actually make a mean pumpkin pecan pie. It's the oh. best of both worlds. Wow. Oh, yes. So, oh, so, yes. so was that an invitation to come down to Houston and try <laughs> your pumpkin pecan pie? Because that's you what... know, we've got enough room at the table. You guys come along, bring your family. We'll you, have a great You time. may hear yes. a knock at the door. You know, I think uh, <laughs> uh, I'm married with three daughters, and I'm the only one in my home that likes pumpkin or pecan pie. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Oh, no, so, they're missing out. Yeah, so it doesn't really make the table at Thanksgiving because, like, what am I going to do, eat a whole pie? Yes. Well, maybe I will. Sometimes you got to make sacrifices. If it was pumpkin and pecan, I might eat that whole pie. Yeah. But I like pecan <laughs> pie too because with my sweet, I like a little salty and I like a little crunch. That's a big deal for me with dessert, salty and yes. crunch. And pecan pie really? is like, oh my goodness. Maybe we should just cut this short and go get some pecan pie. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody, yeah. that's it. That's the podcast. Have a great... <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's, that, that sounds great and... Uh... You've got me even more in the fall mood. Mm. Hey, tell us a little bit, Melissa, before we jump in on today's topic about uh, your family. We'd love to know a little bit more. We, in our first episode with you, you told us kind of your story and your your journey to ministry to where you're now serving as the EP for the under 40s uh, at the national level with the uh, Assemblies of God Fellowship. But we'd also love to hear just about your, your family, who you do life with. Yes. Well, my husband, he's Jay Alfaro, and he and I pastor a church here in El Tabernacolo, or Tab Church in Houston, Texas. We've been married for 17 years, um, and we have a one-and-a-half-year-old. And we didn't necessarily plan for it to take that long to have our child. Uh, when we first got married, we knew I was finishing grad school at that time, knew I was going to go into Ph.D., 
and um, we were okay. You know, it wasn't happening, but we were fine. I was doing that. We were working, traveling, so didn't really think anything of it until um, after finally finishing PhD. We're like, hey, this should have already happened by now. We're, you know, five, six years into marriage. Um, some Something should have happened. Something's not right. So we had a journey. Uh, long story short, it took us 16 years. Mm. Uh, we actually did get pregnant, had a miscarriage uh, four years prior to that. That was back in 2013. Mm. Um, was just sad, tragic. It was a, a, a situation that even the way it happened, happening on Christmas Day, having to be rushed to the hospital, I mean, it was wow. crazy. Um, the enemy could have really used that, uh, and he was trying to use that to really get us into depression at the height of, you know, leading a church. Mm. Um, and we we literally had to take a, kind of a sabbatical and, and just lean on the people around us, lean on our board, lean on godly friends and, and uh, other ministry colleagues to just walk us through that time of grieving. My husband dealt with it differently. Um, he was more to himself, um, but I, I just, I grieved and there was a period of like, even the two weeks after it happened, I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to leave. Uh, we, we were never angry with God, but we had a lot of just why and how, and it took so long. And then for it to happen only to lose it didn't make sense. But in all that, and I say that because ultimately God, he, he always uses the, the wounds that we surrender to him he turns it into balm and medicine for someone else in another season if we if we allow him to. And he truly did that for us because the next four years that would come out of that uh, spiritual drought and barren season were the most fruitful years of our life in ministry. And that was when we really got to see the Romans 8.28. And granted, we did not have our child by then nothing happened it didn't happen overnight it didn't happen the next year it took four more years but god birthed so many other things during that time and allowed us to be what i called spiritual midwives to many other people that were trying to give birth some to very literal babies that were going through infertility issues they were able to give birth to their children and their babies um <clears throat> some ministry barrenness and just ministries that were kind of just stuck and paralyzed and we got to see life happen for them. And we really felt those four years, God was like, you're being planted. You're like that tree planted near streams of water that though in seasons of drought, you will fear no evil because your leaves are going to be green and fertile and you're going to be fertile during that entire season. Did it make sense? Because I always equated fruitfulness with getting the answer to your prayer request. Hmm. But that's not always fruitfulness. Fruitfulness many times is just you being able to use your journey to bless and minister to someone else and walk them through theirs. That's fruitfulness. And that's what I learned. Um, I'm actually finishing my manuscript right now. Uh, hopefully this will be out next year, but it's the entire journey from um, the early seasons in marriage when that happened and just walking through the title I've got right now, a working title is um, growing green in seasons full of shades of gray. And how do you keep that life inside of you? when it seems very barren around you. Mm. So while I am sharing much of um, the, the baby story and how God did that for us, um, it's, it's a lot more than that. It's barren faith. It's barren friendships, barren relationships, when things just die on you. And, and how do you survive that and keep growing despite that? So uh, long story short, after that, 16 years into it, four years after that whole uh, ordeal, God, on our anniversary of all times, um, 
knew something wasn't feeling quite right. I just had mm-hmm. been feeling myself really tired and sleepy and had already years prior done the whole pregnancy test. Let's go by the test. Let's get gone through hundreds of those, which is outlined in the book, kind of became an obsession uh, every month and, and just disappointment after disappointment. And so I, I had resigned myself from doing that, said I will never do that again. So I just said, let me go to the doctor. Let me see what's up. And sure enough, they did some tests and uh, hello, Miss Alfaro, you're pregnant. We're like, wow. what? <laughs> so it was the most amazing feeling. And how God is so amazing because he could have done it at any time in any way. We would have been so grateful, but he did it on the day of our anniversary. Wow. So it was like so cool. So cool. And so now we have a one and a half year old runs everywhere. His name is Jay David and uh, we call him JD for short, but he, he's talking, still don't understand what he's saying, but he's talking <laughs> with lots of emotion, working on those communication skills with him. And he's, he's preparing for the Olympics, we say, because <laughs> literally the kid runs everywhere at all times. Um, but uh, we're enjoying life, uh, enjoying doing ministry, enjoying life, and uh, just so grateful to God for his faithfulness. Man, that's a that's what a phenomenal story. Looking forward to seeing that uh, book come out. And yeah, that'll be a real gift to people. I think that we we have close friends, dear friends, uh, who who are in seasons of you know waiting to have children, struggling with that. And so I, I think your story will really encourage uh, people. Yeah. Yeah. He- hearing a little bit about your story, it's uh, it works perfectly for our topic today because we want to talk a little bit to you about um, balancing family, ministry, marriage. Um, parenting, all those kind of things. And, um, you know, I've been married. I have two kids. I've been married for 14 years. Dave's been, how many years have you been married? This will be 13 years. 13 years. Three, three kids, yeah. And they've got three kids. So um, certainly anybody who's been in ministry and married understands the unique challenges that are there. And in particular, how, how do you fight for your marriage? How do you have a healthy marriage and a healthy ministry, because oftentimes it feels so challenging and difficult, and um, life throws you curveballs like your story. And so, interested to hear you shared you and your husband married seventeen years, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, what are how, how have you guys done that? What does that look like for you? What are some things that you've learned over the seventeen years? Yes, well, um, want to preface this by saying, you know, just these are some of the things we've learned, um, kind of like by trial and error. So in no way are we perfect or have we mastered it. We continue to grow and learn as a couple and as a marriage and family. So um, just these are some of the things we've learned along the way. And hopefully we can save some people some heartache. Um, as I pondered and, and reflected on this idea of balance, and I know many people out there have said on occasion, there is no such thing as balance in marriage, family, and ministry. You know, you're, you're always giving more time and attention to one than the other. And some say, well, no, it's a rhythm. You have to have a healthy rhythm. And I, I don't know what the appropriate term is is for it, but I think it all begins with intentionality. When you value something, you're intentional about caring for it, stewarding it. Um, sometimes we're really good at stewarding and caring for our ministry because it's public and it's out there and um, people might see it as, uh, you know, it's it's something that, you can see dividends from, you can measure the outcome and the goals from. With marriage and even children, especially with toddlers, you don't always see that. It's not as easy as something that's on your to-do list that you're like, oh, I'm gonna see, you know, the gains I made this this week or this month in investing that time with my marriage or with my toddler. You don't see that. 
because those are things that it's going to take a lifetime or when they're older that you're going to see the dividends or even in your marriage growing together. And so I think that's why sometimes people, they put so much in ministry and they just leave the marriage and family in the hands of the Lord and say, God, you deal with it. But if I can be real, God has given us the marriage. He's given us our mate. He's given us our children. And that responsibility and calling is just as important Mm -hmm. as the one behind the pulpit, the one that everybody sees. Um, Many families in ministry, I, I studied this some time back, but a lot of the key families that God had given divine assignments to were families that had to deal with conflict. And if you look at their stories, it was always because something was out of balance. You've got Adam and Eve. Their family was disrupted by murder. The oldest son came murdering the younger brother, Abel. Uh, Abraham had family problems, what we would call his blended family, when his wife, Sarai, uh, or Sarai, had continuing conflict with Hagar, uh, the maidservant. And then their sons having that conflict. You have Jacob and Esau. They were twin brothers, dealt with conflict throughout their life was complicated when the mother Rebecca sided with Jacob in a family dispute. And then Jacob had his own family tension with his, his sons, the jealous brothers selling off his favorite son, Joseph. King David as well, he had family tension that we see in his story. His own son Absalom, uh, you know, is trying to, to kill him and come, come after him as well. And then even Eli, the high priest, he's in ministry, he's in a position, and he raises the young prophet Samuel, his son, but he wasn't able to to raise two sons that respected God and respected the the spiritual uh, laws and and things that they had they had to do. And so I think it's it's a commonality we see that anytime God has picked out a family, picked out individuals to serve in His kingdom, there's a target there, and the enemy it's very real. He's going to go after that, and that's where in order to balance or find a rhythm or maintain a healthy family and healthy ministry all at the same time, we have to realize that the greatest ministry tool that we have is not just the ministry office that we have, but it's our family and marriage as well. That's the greatest billboard for the eternal, unchangeable love story between God and humankind is what they're seeing lived out through us in our own families. And it's going to take an investment. We have to be willing to invest in our family. If we want something to grow, then we've got to invest. We can't sow uh, 100% in our ministry and 50% in our marriage or vice versa. We've got to be willing to sow 100% in everything we're giving because we're ultimately giving it to him. So a few tidbits I would just share um, is number one, be aware of symptoms of an unhealthy dynamic or imbalance in your family or even your ministry and how you're working that out. Um, be, be aware. If there's something going on, don't hide away. Don't hide away in ministry. Um, a lot of times, and I've seen this with ministers, when things aren't working at home, kids are going through rough seasons, uh, maybe there's just some tension in the marriage, they hide out in ministry because they're successful there. They have affirmation there rather than diving in and dealing with the, mm. the raw, real re- reality of what's going on in their home. So we have to be careful not to do that. And we can't put our own selves on a pedestal to say, or our own children on a pedestal, our own marriage saying we are bulletproof. You know, we're, nothing's going to ever harm us. No, let's be real. We're human. Mm-hmm. We're going to go maybe walk through something, our, our own teens. And even as a PK growing up, I saw it, other PK peers that I grew up with in church that, you know, they're going to make mistakes. 
but be willing to approach them just as you would your message and just as you would a counseling, a counseling session with families in your church, gospel-centered, Bible-based. Do that with your own family. Do that with your own marriage. Don't be harder on them because you put them on a pedestal or made an idol out of them. Mm. Be gracious. Be merciful towards them. Um, and learn to learn to carry that burden together and have those conversations. And then if we need healing to take place, we've got to be willing to say, God, I need a change of heart. We need to be the one to put ourselves on the altar, not our kids, not our spouse that we think has it all wrong. Uh, case in point, when we first got married, we we married, got into marriage, totally excited, honeymoon is over, and then you get into the trenches of what real marriage life is. We were pastoring at the time. I was still finishing up some schoolwork and working full time, and it was just like, I was like, this is not what I thought. You know, hmm. marriage is not, it was totally, and here we are pastors. So it's like, okay, yeah. this is the wrong time to ask this question. Nothing against my husband. It, the The gist of what was happening was we both had two different love languages. His love language was acts of service and gifts. Mine was words of affirmation. Well, hmm. he was treating me with his love language and I was expecting to get from him my love language, and I, that's what I was giving back to him. And it wasn't fitting. We were missing it. And so we started to misconstrue, or at least I did, misconstrue his love for me. Well, you don't love me. You don't tell me. But hello, that was never his love language to begin with. Yeah. You know, but he was doing acts of service. He was cleaning the car. He was making sure I was taken care of. Every now and then there was just like this gift. And I was like, but I don't want this. I want you to tell me you love me. And, and he's like, I, I got you that wedding ring. You know, I'm being very transparent to you. <laughs> yeah, I got you that wedding ring. It doesn't that speak L O V E to you. Isn't that enough? And it was a total, uh, what do they call it? When language you, I totally misunderstood, did not understood, understand his language at all. And mm -hmm. he might, it was like you yeah. had put a third language in our marriage that we weren't communicating. And so what happened at that time, I'll be very honest, I began to pray that God would change him, because obviously I was the right one, <laughs> and I knew the right language of God's heart. And yeah, you I sound so much like Jared. My prayer time, <laughs> oh Lord Jesus, help us. I would spend my prayer time saying, God, change him. God, teach him to tell me he loves me. Teach him to do this differently. Yeah. And one time, I remember the Holy Spirit just nudging me, saying, are you finished asking for him? Will you put yourself on the altar and let me change you first? And that's when I was like, okay, God. And God, and that was early on in our marriage, just a point where I had to be transparent and realize, hey, I'm just a, a, as much a part of this imbalance and this dynamic that's not working or functioning. I'm just as much a part of the, the problem as maybe I feel he is. And mm -hmm. so instead of me trying to correct him or fix it or pray him through his conversion, he might need, no, God <laughs> deal with me. So I think we have to be willing to when we are aware of symptoms, instead of projecting that pain or that hurt onto them, say, God, deal with me. It's easy. And to... then lastly, I would say, yeah, go no, ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. One more. No, no. Go, I was just going to say go it's, it's easy to, um, because our public ministry is exactly that, because it's public and what we do in our homes as far as discipling our families is private. If we, you, you mentioned earlier, you referenced like heart idols and heart issues and looking for approval in different places. And if we go into ministry, uh, if we minister out of a place where we're looking for approval, 
uh, and ministry becomes mm-hmm. a place that we find it, then like all idols, it gets most of our attention. It gets our worship, really. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I think it's it's easy to kind of slip into this um, trap of putting more energy, um, more time, more resources uh, into the things that people see than maybe the things that people don't see. But if we're honest, I think we all realize that our primary responsibility is to is to make disciples in our homes to start right there. And, yes. you know, one, one thing I try to remind myself is 20, 30 years from now, what's going to matter most is does my wife still want to be married to me? Uh, do my children's, do my, are my girls, do they love Jesus? Are they following Jesus? Are, are they serving Jesus? And I recognize that's not, I'm not in control of that, but I'm a big part of creating an environment that the God can use to shape their hearts. Um, that's going to matter so much more than, um, you know, did I preach at this event? Did I write, uh, did I write this much? Did I, did our church grow this large? Right. And so I think just knowing that if it's going to matter, then it has to matter now and allowing that, um, to guide us while also asking the spirit to, to shape and define or shape and change our hearts and the things that we're looking for the most. So I just want to interject because I just think that's such a um, powerful point that you're bringing out that being willing to prioritize the discipling in our own home and being as intentional about what we do in our homes as we are uh, as we are in what we do in our churches and creating a culture of feedback in our homes just like we do in our churches and being willing to ask our spouses yeah. at times, what do I do that makes you feel like the job is more important to me than you or that the church is more important to me than you. So those are all things that I was just thinking as you were talking, but I want to let you go ahead. You said you had one more thing you wanted to bring out. Yes, one more. This this one uh, is change of pace. And I think when we talk about change of pace, um, just three things. We've already talked about be intentional. Uh, we spell, or someone once said, you spell love, T-I-M-E. So we have to be able to give them that time. Uh, schedule a date night schedule family vacation time and when we have date or family date time whether it's just my husband and I or with my son we're very intentional about hey we're not talking about ministry we're not talking about business we're talking about us and even when we're on our one-on-one date my husband and I we're not even talking about the kids because sometimes you can get lost in just raising your kids that it all revolves around them so we um, have those moments we're intentional about saying you know once a week we're gonna have time together once a year, we're going to go out on a big family vacation. Once every few months, we're going to do, you know, something else that we need, that a retreat or something that really fuels our marriage. And to the extent that we keep dreaming together, pray together, you know, but just keep falling in love together because in 18 years, we love JD and any other kids that'll come after him, but they're going to be gone and they're going to be on their God mission and their God assignment. And we don't want to have lost to have lost each other while ra- even raising the family. Uh, so you have to prioritize marriage and family time. Um, another thing that we like to do is we read a book together. We'll read a book together. Uh, once we get JD down to sleep, before we go to bed, we'll read together. We'll listen to podcasts together. We share podcasts. We'll listen to certain sermons together and, and just talk about it. So we try to always, it's not just ministry and it's not just family stuff, but it's we're doing life together. I truly love you. I want to invest in you. And we do that back and forth. The second thing, we got to be present. Uh, and this is quality versus quantity yeah. because in the ministry uh, depending especially with you know even the under 40 position there's a lot of travel uh right now jd is young and because of a certain needs that he has he does travel with me and uh, and my husband will go or a nanny will go um 
but there will be a point where he'll be staying back with grandma or with daddy and I'll have to go by myself. So in those cases, when that happens, very selective. Um, not every invitation is a God invitation or is a God assignment. You know, I, I truly believe that um, we have to pray about it and seek God. God, is it your will? Are you giving me a word for that for that place or for that season? So I'm very selective with that as do far you, as the traveling goes. Let me ask you about that. Mm-hmm. Do, do you have any, uh, obviously, like you mentioned, praying and get a sense of, um, is this something that got a door that God's opened up for me? Um, do you have any practical guidelines you use as far as saying what you say yes to, what you say no to, as far as maybe, I don't know, times of the year that you travel less or more or certain dates that you never travel? Like anything that you've put in place that has helped you just create a filter up front on what you say yes to? Yes. Actually, we just, we starting after this past year, going through Jay David was little and all the traveling we had, I was out a lot more frequent and we realized it wasn't healthy for our family. Um, And so we made a rule and we've been abiding by it in the sense that we will not take, uh, we will not be out traveling for an event, even if it's a local district event or something, um, one time a month, past one, more than one time a month. Mm -hmm. Um, That just, we need to have a sense of home and a sense of uh, routine and balance. And, And so when we do travel and go out, my son, as I told you, he loves to run and play and do all that. So to make it fun for him. If we get in a day early or we have a break between sessions or something, we find a park because that's his love language and we take him to a park so that he doesn't always equate. We're getting on a plane or we're getting in a car for a long ride. We're going to do mommy and daddy things. No, we're going to make something fun out of it as well for you. And we'll go on the slides with him. We have that time. We make it quality time when we're with him. So the times we're away you know, the the ones we are together are so much better because we have that time. And then we're, we're very clear too. When we're together, we disconnect from everything else. Cell phones, scrolling on social media, checking email. This is our time. We're very much here, whether it's watching VeggieTales or sliding down the slide at the park, whatever it is, I'm present. I'm not, um, you're not background noise to me, my son. You know, I'm here with you. Uh, I'm not just happening to be watching you while I'm scrolling or, or checking emails. I am present with you. And then lastly, I think, and this is something I grew up always saying, people want to shelter or shield their children from ministry. But I don't think that that's the correct terminology nor even practice. Hmm. I think we need to expose them to ministry. Um, let them see who Jesus and God is, how are we going to disciple them if we're always trying to keep them? We ourselves can put them in a bubble. We need to let them be a part of what's happening. Let them be a part of the movement, whether, and that's why I say even some of these trips we're on, um, which I pray someday if the Lord's coming, Terry, and, you know, if I still have the, the privilege of traveling, some of these events, my son will be a teenager. I would want to take him, you know, to a youth convention. I want him to be around this. I want him to see that. It, it's a blessing. It's a gift. And I want to be able to pass that on so he's exposed to that. It, something that really spoke to me, when I had Jay David, um, obviously when you have a newborn, sleeping schedules off, all that. And I used to always pray at a certain time in the morning. It was really early in the morning. Well, Jay David came along and said, no, that's my feeding time, Mom. So, <laughs> I mean, it totally threw curveball in there. Everything was whack. And I'm a type A personality. I like order and routine and things that I know when they're going to happen. And, oh, it just kind of threw me off. And there was a period of months where I was just like, God, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? I've got to pray. And every time I want to, he cries or he wakes up or I'm tired and I fall asleep. It's just not working. And he said, Melissa, you're going to have to stop trying to 
work at this prayer thing and, and the Bible say all that you want to do around him. And you're just going to have to bring him along into the journey. So if we still do this to this day. If he's awake and he needs me or anything during that first time that I'm going to pray, hey, you just come up with me. And it has been the most incredible thing because he'll see me worship. He'll see me pray, lift my hands, kneel down, cry out to God. He hears me reading the Bible. I read it aloud so he can hear it. And he sometimes he'll just sit and listen. Sometimes he'll go and get books and he'll mimic what I'm doing. Well, one day we were up there and I was worshiping God and just in a moment of prayer. And I happened to look up because I didn't hear his toys moving. So I'm like, what is he doing? What has he gotten into? Hmm. And so I look up. And I see my little boy, he's staring right at me. He puts his hands up and he just like, blah, 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 in the uh-huh. air. And I'm like, you would have thought he was speaking in tongues or something because you didn't <laughs> yeah. understand what he was saying. But, but it was a moment where God said, this is why you do what you do. This is why you bring them on the journey so that they don't learn about who God is, but they meet him for themselves. Yeah. And this is the only way he's going to get to do that. And so that's why I say, when I say don't, don't worry about having to shield them, but bring them into the journey of ministry. It's a beautiful thing. And we can give them that healthy perspective of what it is and the way it should look like. And the big payoff and reward is one, we create disciples for Jesus, but two, should the Lord put that mantle of ministry on them? This, everything that we do is going to shape their heart and shape their life for God and for the church and for the service to the kingdom. And I think that's the greatest win ever. Sounds like uh, Jared needs to start scouting out parks in Syracuse, New York next April. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> a- absolutely, absolutely. Of course, in we'll Syracuse in April, it could be snowing, so maybe we've got to find an indoor play area. <laughs> that's true. That was so good. That, that, that's, that's, uh, really appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, very, very helpful. And, of course, if you already have a family and you're listening, um, you know there's things in there that you Man, can apply. Jared's got so much. Jared has so much to work. Jen, Jen, Jen is Jared's wife. Jen must have been praying this morning for Jared just I to think so. hear some truth. Thankfully, she doesn't listen to this podcast, so <laughs> she, you know she's not going to hear oh, this and then uh, and then hold me to it. Does but, she know that your love language is her listening to everything you do? <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> we haven't learned that yet. We've only been married 14 years. When we hit 17, we'll... We'll figure it figure out. It out. <laughs> but thanks so much. This has been this has been awesome. If you've missed the first uh, podcast we did with Melissa, I, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. It's phenomenal. And um, and before we end, you know, our heart here is we want to make better leaders, but also better eaters. And uh, and so Dave and I love to ask our guests some food related questions. Last podcast we said, "What's the best thing you've eaten recently?" So if you want to hear that answer, you can go back and listen. Today, though, I want to ask you a classic question okay if you are on a deserted island it's only you and you can only have one meal for Mm. the rest of your life what's it gonna be oh my goodness it has to be green enchiladas green chicken enchiladas that is my absolute favorite and it has to have sour cream and guacamole on okay Okay. Any anything on the side? <laughs> anything on the side there? Rice, beans. What do you like on the oh, side? Oh yes, rice and beans. And then I would like to have a uh, an agua fresca is what they call like a fruit drink. Yeah. So like pineapple um, or watermelon. And for dessert, it would have to be a cake known as tres leches. It's a cake made with three different milks, oh, very yeah. moist. That's my favorite cake. So delicious. 
Oh, so delicious. Well, technically, I didn't say you're allowed to have dessert, but we will allow it for this <laughs> this one scenario. There's great. Is an authentic enchilada made with corn or flour tortillas? Did, corn. You would cook with corn. That's what I thought. I'm a, I don't know. I, I'm a flour tortilla guy, but... You're not authentic. That's why. So. That's true. I'm, I'm half Korean, so I'm, I'm half authentic on Asian food. <laughs> Man, this has been great. Thanks so much for being with us. If people want to follow you or find you on social media or your blog, one more time, just uh, let them know where they can find you, Melissa. Yes, Facebook, uh, Instagram, under Pastor J or Pastor Melissa J Alfaro, and then also on a blog, Melissa's Memoirs through WordPress.com. Awesome. Thanks so much. We appreciate you being with us. This is the Multiply Podcast. We'll see you guys next time. Hey guys, if you enjoyed the Multiply podcast today and you're listening via iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe, like the video, feel free to share it with anybody who you think will benefit. We appreciate you guys supporting our attempt to resource leaders. Multiply.